Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Never Open Podcast, the podcast open to everyone, uh, especially Sonata for bamboozling Taz with his comments on Jungle Boy Jack Perry. That shit was hilarious. My name is Luke. I am your host of the Never Open Podcast, and with me, as always, is Mr. Andy. Say hello, Mr. Andy. Hello, Mr. Andy. And Luke, I know you're out there with rage in your eyes and your megaphones. I'm excited to talk about the Forbidden Door 2. PPV, which stands for pay-per-view today on the Never Open Podcast. We're going to do a little, a little bit more, a couple other things too, and some information about Rampage and Collision. What is the show, Luke? I know. I feel like we're in a, we're halfway in an alternate reality where half of us do, it does AEW, the other half does New Japan. It's, it's and, the and we're fighting for control in, of the podcast. <laughs> AEW podcast invasion angle, you know, in 2023. How original. Yeah, we're, we're very good like that. And uh, we're also very good at uh, being interacted with. Yes, that's it. Uh, we're on the Tweety. You can interact with us there. I am at Grumpy2EB. Mr. Guy is at Drusifer Tweets. And collectively, we are at NeverOpenPod. And if you want to send us a written or voice email, you can do that too. NeverOpenPod at gmail.com. Also, we have a Teespring store, and there's so many pay-per-views that if you bought a shirt or two, that would really help us out. We thank you very much. Hell, a sticker, a pair of socks, whatever, a mug. Do we have mugs? Get a sticker. Put it on a mug. Then buy a mug and, you know, buy us a mug too. Why not? We've got, we got we already got stickers. So, yeah, do all that. And we got a Teespring store. That's where you can do that. So, yeah, professionalism. Nailed it. Contact me, and I will sell you one of my mugs. It doesn't I mean like except my Bo Dallas mug. You can't have that one. That one's like my favorite mug ever. It's so funny, <clears throat> especially to non wrestling fans. They're like, you believe I don't get it. Like, yeah, you don't get it, do you? Yeah. And you never will. <laughs> Can you tell me what the mug means? No. If you don't know, you just don't know. Well, I mean, all you got to do is just believe. But Luke, so this is an interesting show for us because we had like a whole weekend of like you know, forbidden tour type stuff that was happening. I did not watch collision, but you can tell me about that one. But briefly, I will tell you about rampage. I, I went to the Reds game, uh, the Cincinnati Reds game on Friday with my buddy, Will from unsanctioned pro, the announcer on section pro could do. And uh, we witnessed something amazing. It was like one of the craziest baseball games of all time. And uh, a player, a new player hit for the cycle, which is something that's only happened like, just over 300 times in the history of Major League Baseball. So I got to witness that, and I'm all fired up, and I get home from that, and I'm like, you know what? I bet Doki's match is about to come on. I turn it on, fucking Doki's walking to the ring. The timing was perfect. And I watched Doki wrestle Jungle Boy, and Doki, um, you know, he did what Doki does. He decided that he, you know, was going to try to kill himself and everyone else, and the crowd loved it. Now, there was this phenomenon in pro wrestling. If you go watch it live, you'll see this happen where sometimes a guy gets over because he's his wrestling. And sometimes the fans just temporarily love him because he has a silly name or does something silly. And so it's kind of hard to tell whether the fans were happy to chant his name because his name means poop or they were, you know, happy to chant his name because they hate jungle boy, or they were happy to chant his name because he is a psychopath and jumps off of shit and goes through it. Um, it's hard to tell, but either way, a lot of people learned about Doki on that show. And that made me really happy. 
here's here's something you don't expect. Like I'm watching Rampage, and you know it, it might as well be the equivalent of your standard house showy New Japan show. So you don't you don't expect like oh wow here's Doki doing a Doki bomb onto Jungle Boy through a table. Okay, all right Doki. You know you know poor Jungle Boy has the pay per view match on in a couple of days, but that's all right. Just you know just get him. He, dude, talk about all right. I'm gonna job. I'm gonna job while getting all my shit in. The crowd went nuts here when uh, Doki hit the daybreak. That was pretty cool. Yeah, they like that move. That's, it's a great move, and uh, Jungle Boy's gonna bump, so it looked great. Yep. Not only that, uh, I do believe there was a holy Doki chant. Oh. So yes, okay. they did glom onto the fact that his name uh, is very reminiscent to uh, Poops. So there, yeah, that was pretty cool. I, I really, it's disrespectful to call him anything but Doki, and anyone who does that is just, I don't know what to say about them, other than, you know, don't do that. They're garbage. How dare they? We would never, <laughs> never do No, that. we would never get his name wrong. But yeah, uh, so the collision stuff, uh, I don't remember everything that happened on it, but because I don't take notes for a bit, there was, hey, if you thought uh, Sam Punk didn't do much in a six-man, well... Prepare yourself, because it was the same match, plus two more people. Yes, it was an eight-man this time. <laughs> and, uh, hey, Punk did a little more this match. He must have heard some criticism that he was a lazy prick last week. So, actually, it's wrestles. So, that was, that was pretty cool. And, uh, hey, our boy Jay White gets the, gets the pin with a Blade Runner on Mr. Ricky Starks. So, yeah, I know we were part of the Forbidden Door. Remember when I thought, like, no, Jay isn't leaving. This is just the story, right. and he'll be, he'll be coming back, and you're just like, Luke, he's gone. Let it go. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. Well, well you know, he's, he's winning the main event of the very second collision. He was in the first one. They might give him a punk feud. I, I don't know. It, it, Luke, this, uh, this leads to an observation that I made, and I was not very active on social media last night, so I apologize if there's any. You know what? I don't apologize. I'm just telling you there might be some reiteration that points that other people made that I did not hear them make or read them make. But uh, this leads to something that I observed last night that I found fascinating, and maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. Fascinating. Zero, zero bullet club guys on Forbidden Door. Zero. Yeah, absolutely zero. That's surprising. I mean, if it's, you know, the most, like, iconic faction in New Japan's Bullet Club, and they had zero representation on Forbidden Door, and that's just fascinating to me. I, I'm not mad. I'm, I don't feel a certain way about it, as people would say. I just feel like that that's fascinating. I don't know. Why? Why, man? Yeah. Wow. I only noticed that now. That kind of blows my mind. Well, you didn't notice it. I told you. And then you realized, I think that's what it's called. So Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for uh, telling me how my brain works. It's <laughs> very appreciative. <laughs> well, if anybody else noticed that on Twitter, no, they didn't. Because it was my, yeah. I noticed. I am the one who did the notice. I know some of the Empire boys were on, um, on Collision as well. Oh, yeah. and uh, it was so a really fun. cool episode of Collision because I got to see uh, Will Ospreay uh, hidden blade the shit out of Yo!, and pin him in front of an American audience so everyone knows that uh, he sucks. Wow, Yo was on Collision? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Wow. That's uh, glad I didn't watch Collision. But um, 
Yeah, I I can't, you know, obviously we're going to get to all this stuff, but you'll have to fill me in. I'm not now, but later on this storyline that is going on with Will Ospreay and Don Callis, because I was like, what's going on here? Why is he not with that guy? What's going on? So that was yeah. uh, interesting. But uh, but Luke, yeah, man, it was, uh, I, you know, I enjoyed the show. Tell me, how did you watch Forbidden Door? What was your experience like ordering it, et cetera? Yeah. Uh... Just use fight. That's how I watch AEW. Got the AEW Plus thing. Just you know, two clicks or maybe three from that for the confirmation. You know, done. No must, no fuss. Interesting. Well, remember that time that we uh, <laughs> we had to order like one of those Noah. You know, against or an uh, Abima, the, the Abima one as well. Right, and we had to like download an app and do this, and it it. You know, it was a little bit of pain in the butt, but it, it kind of made sense and it worked out pretty well. I think I got it done in five minutes. Um, yep. That was way easier than ordering the Forbidden Door 2 pay-per-view. Um, so I had to subscribe to something called, uh, what was it called? Uh, Barside Seats or Bleacher Report or some shit. And so, but then I, you know, I'm trying to do that on my phone, but it's like, no, there, you know, you can't watch it from the app, so you have to put it on your Apple TV. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'll put it on my Apple TV. I download the app, so I have to get permission for that. And then it's like, do you want to pay? How do you want to pay? But you can't pay through the Apple TV. You got to do that through your phone. But I can't use my phone for this. So then I try my computer. It was 20 minutes of that, and uh, it was just like, <laughs> okay. Now listen, the quality of the stream was excellent. Um, it went to underwater mode like twice, but one of them was during Daniel Garcia's entrance. And my buddy that I was watching it with was like, great. Cause you know, he's like, <laughs> he's, he's, it doesn't like the little dance he does. So, so um, I, I, I had only one criticism about the uh, production side of things, actually just one. Yeah. Well, uh, look, I know, I understand that some wrestlers got special music tonight that fed into previous things that they'd done, like Kenny Omega and Osprey used their old music in the uh, Wrestle Kingdom match. I know Brian's re reusing the final countdown for the show. But by the time we get to those matches and I hear the Os wrong Osprey theme, I don't think, oh, wow, they're playing this for this match. That's really cool. I'm thinking... Oh, have they fucked the music up again? Yeah. Because uh, it only happened to New Japan dudes, but uh, I do know that uh, uh, some, certain someone's a headbanger, apparently still, and then he wins the match, and then they, they do that. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. had his old uh, Suzuki Goon theme. I'm like, yeah. uh, what's, what's going on? What's going on here? So by the, by the time we get to those really cool moments, my first thought isn't, wow, that's really cool that they've done that. My first thought is, oh, someone sounds fucked this up. Like, what's going on? So that was a little annoying. I didn't really, like, pay much attention to that. But, you know, what I'm thinking, though, I noticed it the second time it happened, but I was like, huh, I guess Sex Labor Jr. is just using his old music here. But then I was thinking to myself, maybe they had to pay so much money to Europe you know, for the final countdown that they, they were like, we're not going to pay whoever does the TMDK theme and we're not going to pay whoever does the headbang or, you know, or ELP's new theme. But you'd think that since they're in Canada, the ELP probably sourced his music from Canada. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's something like that going on that we don't know about, but you didn't laugh at my paying Europe joke. So uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, uh, Europe uh, had a pretty big split, you know, because of Brexit. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh boy. All right. So, <laughs> Luke, um, this uh, this show had the you know kickoff uh, buy-in pre-show, uh, whatever the fuck they call it there. And so, you know, it was one of those deals too where we didn't get beat over the head too bad with the like, hey, buy this now. But we did get two people to kind of like welcome us. And well, I, I okay. So we talk about the pre-show first, or should we talk about the building? What do you think? Do the building. No, okay, do my, the pre-show yeah, first yeah. because then, the then building's build. included yeah. with the main show. Yeah, that's how okay, we do it. Yeah. yeah, so, well, so we have Renee, um, and I'm not sure what her last name is now, but um, Paquette. Renee Paquette, there you go. Um, and we have RJ City that welcome us to this uh, building, the, you know, uh, Scotia Bank Arena, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. And they are both from Toronto, and this is in Toronto. And not only that, but, man, RJ City. I know that he's not technically a wrestler anymore, but he's still one of my favorite wrestlers because he's getting paid to not take bumps and he's just tremendous. And I was just so happy for him. He had to like drive down the street to get to this show. You know, how often does that happen for you? And I don't know. I was just so excited to see him. He's hilarious. And like, I don't know if younger people get his shtick if they just watch him and go, Oh, he's funny, but he's like, you know, he's like a cross between mean gene and like I don't know um, who who did singing in the rain, you know, like that. that oh, so, right, exactly. That's kind of like what he is, and he's like a old timey, um, you know, song and dance man is kind of what his gimmick was when he was a wrestler, sort of. You know, it's kind of it's a little conf- different than that. But I I hope people pick up on that stuff, and uh, I don't know. He's it's just made me so happy to see him. But Luke, there was some news about the show. A match got canceled, right? Yes, that is correct. So. Poor Adam Cole. Last year's Forbidden Door, injured, out for almost a year. This year's Forbidden Door, going to wrestle filthy Tom Waller. And yeah, probably win, but it was an interesting match, and I would have loved to have seen it, and I'm pretty sure uh, Mr. Filthy Tom would have loved to have wrestled in it and been on the card, but uh, Adam Cole got like some kind of flu or cold or something, and yeah, couldn't do it. It's an illness that will prevent him from being cleared. So COVID, I guess. But, um, you know, I hope yeah, he's okay. You know, yeah. that's a shame. I've seen Gavin Cole wrestle with the flu, and he did fine. So it would have been okay. But I, I was not mad that this match got canceled. I'm, you know, it's a bummer for Adam Cole, but it seems like he's snake bit on this pay-per-view. So let's just keep him off so he doesn't get rocked and not be able to wrestle again for a year. But, <laughs> uh, Luke, the announcers for the pre-show were Kevin and Chris. And and I was Excalibur on the pre-show. I don't yep. know. I'm not sure. But yep. okay. it was Excalibur, so Kevin, and Chris. Those three, other than the kind of final form of the commentary team for the night, um, those three were my favorite. They were so good together. It was, and you could tell they were like, we're, we we've been wanting to do this a long time. I don't know. I thought that was a pretty neat part because it's not only, you know, the wrestlers that get to you know forbid the door you know, and, and all that they, these guys get to do too, but uh, it was pretty cool. Yes. <laughs> I thought you were going to say more. Yes, it is pretty cool. So I, I, I really like the commentary tonight and uh, one man uh, will just make, make me laugh throughout one of the title matches uh, for a good portion of it, which is how bamboozled he was. But, uh, but yeah, let, let's, let's get our uh, pre-show uh, started. I guess we got the, the best friends, 
So that's uh, Trent Beretta and Chucky T with Rocky Romero and El Desperado. That's weird. <laughs> and just as I'm saying, like, wait, why is he with them? Yeah, he he thinks he's he's thinking that himself. Because uh, they want to include him in all their like high fives and shit, and Despy's just like, nah, that's lame. I'm not doing that. <laughs> so I kind of like that. <clears throat> so there'll be a funny spot in the ring where uh, everyone's doing their hug, and he doesn't want to do it, so he just does like a little thumbs up. It's adorable. <laughs> and they're wrestling Swerve Strickland, so I'm glad he's on the card at least somewhere. Uh, this tag team called the Gates of Agony, and Brian Cage with this dude named Prince Nana, and. Uh, yeah, this was a fine, fun little match. And I was like, uh, who's losing this match? And then I see Despy getting beat up. And I was like, no, nah, it's not him. Who else is it? Rocky Romero. <laughs> <laughs> Who apparently, like, the commentators are saying, like, that, that he's still feuding with Volador Jr. And I'm thinking, like, how, how long's that feud gone for now? <laughs> Forever! Forever! <laughs> That's how long. <laughs> Oh, my God. I get a little distracted when the commentators mentioned this little nugget I didn't know, that Kojima spent two months of his, of his uh, excursion from New Japan at the Heart Dungeon. So I just had a, had visions of him you know, baking Stu Hart, all kinds of bread-related products. And then, Give me your kid. Let me, and then, let, me grab, let me grab your arm. Let me show you a little, a little something. You guys <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, this match is fine, and I'm I'm, I'm happy with uh, Swerve getting the win here because he rules and he and he pins Rocky Romero, so it's a nice little starter. Yeah, and and that that is a nice little nugget to sprinkle in the heart dungeon stuff because in in one of the matches later there's a bunch of bunch of Bret Hart stuff that happens that I'm not sure if anybody cat caught or not. But uh, Luke, uh, I I cannot you know move on without mentioning that Trent Beretta is like. He's just is like, I want to die. I want to be killed in the ring. So let me bump all over the place and take all the crazy bumps. And I was almost worried he was going to like do his giant jump out of the ring tope and just land right on the fucking entrance ramp. So, <laughs> um, but he didn't do that. But man, he was bumping around like a maniac. So now this is interesting right here. So the guy uh, that came over to watch the show with me is this wrestler named Aaron Williams, the current Unsanctioned Pro wrestling uh heavyweight champion and um he is a friend of mine i've had for a long time and he's also a trainer a wrestling trainer and for years i mean like you know we're kind of we've all known each other him and you know mouse uh billy stark's dad and stuff we've known each other a long time and uh he like uh billy stark's dad his name is mouse that's what people call him and he uh used to have like every week he would have this kind of like practice session at a local gym that had a ring gym local gym a local hole in the wall that had a ring called the arena in jeffersonville indiana and so he'd rent the place for you know for the night and he'd bring people in to kind of like have little i don't know just little like teaching sessions and aaron used to do that all the time and he had a big part in making Billy Starks who she is and helping her learn how to wrestle. So this next match, Luke, is Athena, the ROH women's champion, I believe, uh, versus Bill- Billy Starks in the first round of the Owen Hart women's tournament. Or is it? Yeah, I guess it's not co-ed, is it? But um, so I it was just a blast to sit there and watch Aaron's eyes 
you know, swell with pride as he watched, you know, watched one of his students, um, you know, just <laughs> wrestle on Forbidden Door. So we're watching this match. First of all, they both look fantastic. You know, the gear's awesome. I'm a big Athena fan. I think she is like one of these wrestlers that's gotten the short stick everywhere she went. And, you know, her full potential has yet to be seen. And so I'm glad that she's finally getting the push somewhere. And, you know, this match is it's it's interesting because at first they're going real fast. Right. And it's like, you know, Aaron's like, man, I think uh, I don't think they're going to get much time. But that's not the case at all. We were watching it and we're thinking they're trying to rush through shit here at the beginning. But that's not what happened. They had like a little angle they were going to do, which might be real and might be not. Because it's done so well. It's at a certain point, Athena walks over and kicks Billy Starks in the gut. And yes. at that point, it's like, did she really kick her in the gut? Because, if, I mean, at that point, Billy is either selling so well that her you know, ribs are broken or she got blasted and is hurt. Because they really give her a lot of time to recover. And it's really hard to tell. But, you know, there's it's <laughs> I'm hope Billy's OK, because that looked rough. Uh, but uh, I. You know, there was a big false finish in this match, too, that was like, ah, oh, it's over. It's obviously over. But no, Billy kicked out. And I, so and she gets all kinds of cool moves and stuff. And it was interesting, too, because I, I think that Billy has a reputation maybe on AEW as being reckless because she's, you know, got this a bunch of crazy moves and they kind of always backfire on her. Kind of like how the, you know, people like remember when the announcers would always be like, oh, Doki, why is he trying to do this move or why is he trying or, you know, Master Wado, why is he trying to do the RPP? It's kind of like that a little bit where some of her moves are so crazy. It's like, OK, let's not do that because you're going to beat yourself. And so that's part of why she lost is because she tried some of those crazy moves. She already had the injured ribs and that Athena just used her brain. Where it, which is located in her head where she pointed. Yeah. And, of uh, course. you know, and so that's kind of why Billy lost. And, you know, it's, it's a good story. This show has a million matches on it. And I think every match for the most part, you know, except a few don't have similarities story wise. And so this was a different story that we saw. I really enjoyed it. I thought we got a, you know, it's, you know, there's some rough spots at times and whatnot, but I thought everything looked pretty good for the most part. Athena does win with a okay looking like knee stabber, code breaker, gut buster thingy for the uh, pinfall victory. But there was a part in this match that probably most people will remember uh, the most when they do the bouillet spot. But instead of doing forearms or like uppercuts, <laughs> they, they do they do running shotgun drop kicks. That's <laughs> really cool. What'd you think, Luke? I was waiting for you to mention that because like that's one of my my notes here. It's like I like this. Uh, <laughs> both women shotgun kicking the shit out of each other. It was great. Uh, Athena is a heel, by the way. So the fact that she gave uh, Billy Starks a cheeky kick to the midsection fits her heel character so i think that's that's what that was but yeah billy could sell she can go it was great uh, i really like this match uh, athena getting out of the way of a canadian senton as well which uh allows her to pretty much take over and get the victory it was a great match <clears throat> and uh i think i liked it more than the main card ladies match because uh it was less bullshit and i say that as a house of torture fan <laughs> <laughs> i you know i mean I guess it's only Canadian if you go through the ropes, Luke, but if you do it in Canada, is it Canadian no matter what? Oh, these are these are questions for the sages to ponder. That's right. We're not getting philosophical tonight. All right, so next we have 
This was all right. Little match. It's, it's Stu Grayson and El Fantasmo. Uh, they're both Canadians. And uh, auto- automatically, I'm distracted because I'm, I'm expected to go like, E, L, P, because I, I some, for some reason remember the one time I heard that theme music play like a few weeks ago. But no, I'm a head banger. I was like, nah, what's going on here? I like that theme better than the new one, but at the same time, I've heard it a million times and I've heard the new one like three times. So, is it three? I thought I've heard it like once. I don't know. I, I like, wouldn't even recognize it if you played it for me. So, well, they do play it uh, after this match, so I don't know if it's a right thing. Oh. Because, uh, yeah, yeah, they play they they play the new ELP music after he defeats Stu Grayson with a, a CR2. And this is a pretty decent match. Uh, Stu Grayson's great, uh, but I'm more an ELP guy, and I like seeing ELP get his shit in on a pretty good stage too. So hell yeah. That I thought that match was interesting psychology-wise because Stu Grayson's smaller than ELP, but he was the big man in the match, and ELP yeah. was the flippy guy. Also, man, I think it was uh, it was probably Excalibur. Amazing reference at the end of the match. 7.20 outside in DDT uh, from, I believe, uh, ELP. And fucking, uh, you know, uh, Excalibur's like, Jody Fleisch. She's like, shades of Jody Fleisch. I was like, oh, my God, Jody Fleisch is amazing. I saw Jody Fleisch. He's an English wrestler, and he's tremendous. I saw him wrestle once, and he did all kinds of crazy-ass shit, like including running up a wall to do a moonsault in a gym and landing awkwardly and doing flippies into the ring barriers and stuff and uh he he like you know just crushed it in this match and it, you know we find out the next day that he broke his leg in this match, in the match wrestled half the match with a broken leg oh, holy shit jody fleisch incredible wrestler if you're not familiar check him out anyway uh so next match luke which is the pre-show main event luke it is kyle fletcher tjp and jeff akabu versus bushi Hiromu Takahashi and Shingo and Shingo is by far the most over in this match. People love Shingo and this match is like eight minutes or something. And it has all of the moves of like 30 minutes worth of wrestling. <laughs> <It just laughs> go a thousand miles an hour and it's great. There's a really long section here at the end with TJP and Shingo and Shingo pins TJP uh, with made in Japan um, and we uh, we have a little mini feud in this match, too, between Jeff Cobb and Hiromu. And I'm hoping that makes it to Japan because that was so much fun because Hiromu was like, I am the big one, you know, and, <laughs> and Cobb's like, no, you're not. But I, I really enjoy that. Very fast paced. And I do have a note here that so far this is the most Japanese match of the show. Uh, yeah, because this is the kind of match you could see on any night uh, over the last uh, half a year on uh, New Japan Pro World. Yeah, I do like the one part with uh, Kyle Fletcher and Shingo. I was like, uh, okay, that's magical. Are they in the same block this year? I hope so. Can't remember. But that was well, fucking Kyle incredible. He's not in the G1. so. Uh, see, that's even worse. Oh, Kyle Fletcher, no. why'd you sign that thing? He could have been in the yeah, G1. AEW to blame for that one. No, so. oh, well, yeah, yeah. Hey, they wanted to sign somewhere. They they were making emails and tweeties about it, whatever. Anyway, the the stalling made in Japan on TJP was awesome as well. And uh, yeah, crowd loved Shingo as I do. He was magical. He got the, the crowd weren't so, so sure that they're like, 
That's oh, it's an all New Japan guy match. Oh, okay. We kind of know Jeff Cobb and Fletcher and shit, but nah. LIJ guys now to get a crowd going and uh, get a crowd going. They did. It was great. So yeah, that that is a pre-show, which was actually really cool. It was a good little pre-show. I took notes on all the matches and everything. So uh, nothing yeah. on the in-between bits because we got to talk about those matches now. But uh, it was a solid good time. Yeah, I liked how the pre-show had no talking really. There was like RJ City and Renee for like. I don't know, seven minutes out of the 50 minutes or, you know, or 60 minutes of the whole pre-show. And usually on a show like that, they'd just be beating you over the head and constantly going to commentary, constantly doing that. They didn't do that. It was about wrestling and I enjoyed that. So Luke, before we move on to the main card, we have to learn about the Scotiabank arena, um, which is Luke, not to be confused with the other Scotiabank arena or the, um, the, oh, wait, the Scotiabank Center that's in Halifax or the Scotiabank Saddledome that's in Calgary. So apparently, oh, I was thinking about the Calgary yeah. one. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's apparently Scotiabank fucking rules and owns everything, I guess. And they have all the remaining rights. But this is a interesting place because it's part, you know, it, it's one of these you know arenas where it was built kind of because – they were moving a uh, uh, NBA team up there. There's going to be an expansion team, and that is the Toronto Raptors, who fucking suck compared to the Aichi Diamond Dolphins. I just want to let everybody know that. Um, <laughs> if, you know, if they played straight up in an exhibition or something, the Dolphins would f- fuck them up. And uh, anyway, so this is an interesting place, and it it can hold up to 62,000 people. Luke, did we get an announced attendance? Because it felt, I mean, that place was fucking packed and the crowd was insane, sometimes standing for entire matches. I really enjoyed the crowd. I did not hear a number. No, I didn't hear one. I did watch the media scrum, but by then I was kind of exhausted and only half (laughs) listening. So, you know, there is that. (laughs) It was was only one New Japan guy on it anyway. It was uh, Osprey, so, you know. Didn't have to take many notes. He's like, yes. oh, oi, I told you Bret Hart was a jerk. Yeah, bruv. I'm yeah, that's it. I'm the I'm the good <laughs> goodest bruv. All right. All right, bruv. All right. So yes, uh <clears throat> so do you want to take this first one and let me yeah. talk about Kojima Punk? Yeah, that sounds good, man. The the main card opens with the most fascinating match on it, in my opinion, which is uh, MJF, the AEW heavyweight champion versus the ace of the universe, Hiroshi Tanahashi. And um, I mean, I'm sitting next to a guy who's wrestled MJF. In fact, one time he wrestled MJF for the ownership of uh, the Road Home Wrestling podcast and defeated him. So, um, you know, it's just fun to sit next to somebody who's wrestled some of these guys and, and talk about it with it. But anyway, some insights awesome. will will reveal themselves, some will not. But uh, at the beginning of this match, we get, of course, air guitar shenanigans galore. You know? <laughs> and MJF does something that is disgusting and it is lewd, it's lascivious, it's crude. And he pretends to jack off and throw his jism at Tanahashi, which is just I mean, all over his face, neck, and chest. But not only that, dude. I mean, did you see the back of MGF's robe? No. What did it say? It said, "New Japan is an indie." That's pretty good. Yeah, I like it. So, um, yeah, there's all <laughs> kinds of uh, you know shenanigans here. Tanahashi taunts MJF back into the ring, 
after MJF tries to leave, which is a you know classic uh, heel shit. Uh, but there's a coward chant, and MJF he uses the ref to hide and start some heat uh, work in the midsection of the ace. And he does the Cobra twist on Tanahashi and uses the ropes for leverage. And I really like all this old school stuff. It's tremendous. So um, this is also smart. It has great psychology because the high fly flow uses the midsection, you know, so this is really smart. So I like that. So uh, at one point, uh, Tanahashi does go for the high fly flow, but MJF hits the ropes, crotching Tanahashi on the top rope. And uh, we get uh, it says fair spot in the corner. So I guess it was fair. I don't know what that means. Flare spot. Okay. Flare so spot, the, yes, yes. That's what it was. So, yes. so we get uh, MJF, you know, flipping over the ropes, running to the corner real quick, which by the way, if you watch a flare match, him running to the corner to climb up the ropes is the fastest you will ever see him move. It's crazy how fast he can do that. And so MJF does that. And of course, Tanahashi walks over and just throws him off the top rope. That was great. Uh, there's do a superplex. Do you think Rick Flair even knew any top rope moves? Yeah, he hit it once versus. Um, okay, so this is interesting. I don't know if you know this. In his uh, in his retirement match, he finally hit. The, it was uh, like a crossbody or something like that off the top rope. And like. That's one of the most interesting spots in that match because he finally hit something, but he used <laughs> it's tremendous, uh, you know, and of course, Shawn Michaels, uh, you know, is in that match. That's a great one. But anyway, um, okay. So uh, what do we got here? Uh, there's a superplex uh, from Tanahashi for a double down and we get massive dueling chance. You know, uh, I, I was a little disappointed. The crowd didn't figure out that it's go ace go ace you know but they got tanahashi they got that down so good job guys there is a <laughs> massive huge shoulder breaker from mjf oh, um, and and this is where we get some more awesome psychology because mjf fucks his own leg up he has to sacrifice his leg to hit that shoulder breaker and now we got two guys selling and it's good so he spits on the ace and he calls tanahashi a joke and that is despicable so you know, Tanahashi's pissed off. He gets eye poked, but he fires up and uh, hits a dragon screw. And we've been waiting for that the whole match. Finally, he puts MJF right in the clover leaf, and MJF's in trouble. So we get a rope break spot. Uh, after the rope break, MJF tries to go back to the midsection, but twist and shout, sling blade, high fly flow, and one of the most obvious and like perfect spots in this match, knees up from <laughs> MJF, obviously. But guess what? He once again has sacrificed his leg to hurt Tanahashi. Yep. So now they're both fucked. It's really good. I mean, I don't, I don't know. You know, I have no nothing to bitch about in this match. That's for sure. So MJF has to sacrifice his leg uh, to counter that. Obviously, we get a ref distraction when MJF tries to use the title. But a roll up from Tanahashi for like an eight count. But the ref is distracted, right? So he doesn't get there in time. The crowd's all mad at that. That's a great spot as well. Uh, the ref dodges a ref bump, by the way, um, which was interesting, uh, but that's enough to distract him uh, so he doesn't see ring to the face. MJF wins. I thought this was tremendous. Like, I really, really, really like this a lot. Yeah. I, I thought this was a well-wrestled match. Great finish, too. Tanahashi still looks great. And uh, he eats a loss, and, you know, MJF is still the champ. Dude, I'm, I was really enjoying this match, and I'm, I'm just having a good time watching it. And then uh, <laughs> MJF flips over the ropes. I'm like, what are you doing? Then he gets on the top rope. I'm like, you, you, yep, Tanahashi's right there straight away to, to flip, throw him over. And I was just like, all right, MJF, you got me there. I like seeing a, a fun 
flair spot. This match was fantastic. It was a really good way to start the match, and I'm thinking like, oh, I'm not sure I would, I, I'm not sure I'd want to follow that. Great psychology, <laughs> great work. That's like every match <laughs> on this show, though. Yeah, right. There's a lot of matches on this card you don't want to follow, but uh, here it is. It is uh, Satoshi Kojima versus a CM Punk. I'm a bit mixed on on the Mr. Punk, but uh, this I, is part I, of I, the part of that tournament too yeah probably, it's right? also a part of that uh Owen Hart tournament yep so uh you know kind of Kojima's losing but uh I don't care I wanted to see this match and I thought it was awesome and uh I was like well, I wonder what Punk's going to be like in this match because there's no way he can uh take it easy and uh and stall for long because he's wrestling a Japanese old guy and uh Kojima is like uh Rowdy Roddy Piper in They Live I'm here to kick ass and chew bubblegum. And uh, he's all out of bubblegum because, man, Kojima was awesome in this. He fucking killed this. By the end of this match, Punk's doesn't look like he has, like, a normal tattooed chest. It looks like black splotches on a red canvas. Oh, my God. Not only that, Kojima just fucking bumps like a madman. Dude, Kojima brought his strong style out tonight, and uh, I was just all into it. Punk's doing uh, – Punk's got mega heat too, too, by the way, so that automatically yeah. made Kojima over. So that, so uh, Kojima played up to that for sure. There's uh, a spot where Punk's doing, like, lariats in the uh, in the corner and just keeps going, Kojima, Kojima. But uh, that's all right because, uh, hey, it's Kojima. He's going to get you, bastard. I did, like uh, – Punk was mocking him with the uh, Mongolian chops as well. I'm like, you know, it's Tenzan, right? But that's all right. Yeah. Kojima's going to give you those back later. Doesn't matter. Uh, commentary does a good job of making sure everyone uh, knows the accolades of Mr. Satoshi Kojima and what an absolute badass he is. The uh, ending's, pre- ending's pretty pretty cool. Like, uh, Kojima almost pulls it out, but uh, he uh, gets hit with the GT- GTS and... And loses. Respect, respect after the match. But I, I was just like, look, Punk might be a bit rusty. He's only had two mixed tags. But you know what? Kojima's got this. This is going to be a great time. And it was a great time. I really enjoyed it. Bit of a dream match for me that I never thought I'd see. I was chuffed. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I, I like this a lot. Um, I also, I liked, you know, Punk got booed a lot, which is great. Also, you know, he does the Anaconda Vice, which is another one of oh, Tenzon's yeah. moves. And and me and my me and Aaron, we were sitting there watching it and we're like, you know, Punk's all of Punk's moves is shit he stole from Japan. Um, but uh anyway, so you know, obviously this match yeah, this match is fascinating because uh, in another way too, because why wasn't it Kenta? You know, and I think, you know, Punk was probably thinking, well, I gotta win that, right? Kent's just like, mm, I'm thinking I'm going to win that. And if I'm not going to win it, you're going to have to give me like way more money than you're willing to give me. And that's probably where that, you know, the uh, negotiations ended. I would think so. <laughs> I, I kind of, I, in, in a way, I kind of hope that match never happens because I would hate to see, uh, you know, Kenta take the GTS and have to get pinned. That would be the worst thing ever. But anyway, um, yeah, we obviously know who's going to win this, and there was some really fun back and forth. I enjoyed it. There was something really funny that happened this match. So Kojima has been getting his arm worked a little bit, but he's like, oh, I'm going to go up to the top rope and hit my elbow. 
and he elbows oh. Punk right in right the dick. Right in the dick. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Later, so later on, Punk is going to hit his top rope elbow, and he's really standing there thinking about it. He he kind of he kind of elbowed Kojima in the face. <laughs> it's like I, I'm not I'm not mad. I thought that was kind of cool. So nope. I enjoyed that. You know, Kojima didn't mean it, but you also know that if there's a little receipt there a little later, it's fine. It's all right. Makes <laughs> yeah, the match a little better anyway, doesn't it? Laughs so hard. That was great. So uh, next week we have a four-way match uh, for yeah. the TNT AEW TBS International uh, title. Inter-European? The Inter, yes, that one. Um, So which is the champion is... <laughs> Orange Cassidy uh, versus Shibata, who is the pure ROH champion, versus Zack Sabre Jr., who is the <laughs> IWGP tel- TV title holder, versus Daniel Garcia, who is a guy who dances. And uh, I, <laughs> I wonder I, who's I, losing this match. <laughs> guy right, with title, obviously. guy with title, guy with title, guy with no title. <laughs> so this match, not not the whole time, but this match has a lot of all four guys or three guys wrestling at once, which is what I want to see from something like this. So, you know, the, I, I'm not going to have every, every move that happens because there's a lot of them, but orange, he gets some shine at the beginning and then everybody takes turns putting crazy holds on him, which is great. And then we get this kind of like running joke that goes through the, through the match where Zack Sabre Jr. and Shibata, they want to fight each other. And so they're like, and so Daniel Garcia, he keeps trying to get in there and they just keep beating him up over and over again to, so that they can beat each other up. And that plays into something that happens later, too. So we get a Yakuza kick party and there's a Yakuza kick quadruple down uh, Shibata and Zack Sabre Jr. They keep fighting, even though they're in holds or they're putting the other guys <laughs> in holds so that they can continue to fight each other. <laughs> it's so funny, man. <coughs> so everyone hits vertical suplexes at one point and just. I don't know. There's a million of them. I don't know why they just also decide to start doing vertical suplexes. And that cool. spot, <laughs> that spot is in a few matches where it's like kind of like where were we talking about before the shotgun dropkick thing, you know, where it's like uh, we're going to do different things that are going to be, you know, we're going to spam different moves and stuff. So uh, there's Slumdog Millionaire and a DDT for Orange Cassidy, which is really great. I don't know who he hit it on. I wasn't paying attention. But Garcia almost pinched Shibata after a knee the camera misses and that's going to bring up something that happens throughout the night um whoever's in charge of switching the cameras you fucked up three thousand times and uh it's like there's so many moves that get missed on the show and if there was one production issue that i would bitch about it would be that um also i was very confused about some of the camera angles that they chose to take and uh we were me and aaron were talking a lot about how there was matches like you know in the when brian cage was on screen he has back to the camera like the whole time and it was very weird. And, and you know, they were doing moves in, in the wrong corners and stuff like that. Like when Kojima came off the top rope for the I'm going to get you bastard. He was going yeah. away from hard cam. There's a lot of weird shit like that going on on the night. And I know there's I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just saying I have to, you know, we do a podcast and I have to talk about the stuff I noticed. So I noticed that. But <laughs> anyway, um, there's a running drop kick from Shibata. It's amazing. And the Bouye spot from Shibata and Orange Cassidy. They're kind of like sitting and they fight to the you know, fight to stand up. So Orange gets uh, the punch, but Shibata like blocks it. And, uh, you know, they had been like kind of collectively working 
uh, Orange Cassidy's hand because he does the like Hawaiian punch or whatever it is. And so, you know, he can't do it once his hand's fucked up. And this is really smart. Again, this match has really great psychology because we kind of know Orange Cassidy's going to win because, you know, he's kind of in the middle of a legendary run with this belt, if, if when I, from what I understand, where he's defended it quite a few times. And also he's all beat up. He's got K-tape all over him, so he's got all this heat on him. And, you know, having him win in a way that's not – he like, he has to figure out a way to win without his finisher. And that's just great babyface shit. I mean, I don't know. It's just great babyface baby shit. So, anyway, um, Zack Sabre Jr., like, starts coming in and fucking up his hand. And Zack Sabre Jr. has orange wrapped up. And then this is where they do just amazing mat wrestling, just rolling around. And it is incredible. Um, I love that. Then we get the, you know, the and New Japan heavyweights doing their incredible wrestling. It's so good. They keep, you know, fucking uppercutting each other and shit and doing strong style stuff. There's a really great pile driver from uh, from Garcia on Zack Sabre Jr. Tremendous. And he thinks he's going to win. But, you know, Shibata hits the PK. And what happens here on, on Daniel Garcia and Orange Cassidy, because he has to win, but he can't use his finish. He fucking pushes Shibata out of the ring, steals the victory. I really enjoyed that. Like I said, it gets more heat on your babyface champion and makes him look smart. And uh, after the match, the three champions kind of like talk shit and discuss something that we don't, I don't know. I don't know what they're discussing. Probably future matches of some kind. Yeah, maybe. But uh, I thought this match was a really good time. As you said, there's usually at least three or four people in the ring at all times, but every, everyone gets a chance to shine. I like. Uh, I also like to like the sit down slap fight with uh, Orange Cassidy and Shibata as well, slapping each other till they stand up. <laughs> <laughs> Zach gets a uh, you sick fuck chant with some of the uh, amazing arm torture that he does on Orange Cassidy, which. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I reckon must have tickled him uh, profusely. There's also, uh, yeah, Gussie is in the uh, Wato Wrestle Kingdom spot. Uh, he's the uh, he's the guy that's not as over as the other three, and thus he's the one that's uh, that's going to job. And he well, does, but he does look pretty game best the Super Juniors. Like you think Garcia is going to win past the Super Juniors this year? No, it's, it's already happened. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wato's in the water spot. No, that's right. <laughs> I think Wato's happy with Wato's spot. That's for sure. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. So, here's a really, really, really interesting match that uh, I quite enjoyed. It is Sonata, who does come out. We do have uh, Doki there. Uh, I think Katamara's there, too. But, you know, I've only got eyes for Doki. <laughs> now, uh... Now, uh, I do notice something, though, that uh, there's no uh, you, you already die intro. So I'm just like, come on, man. Come on, man. If Taka's not there, you've got to have Taka there. Yeah. You already die. He's oh, got man. a passport. He might have dual citizenship. Who knows? Probably not. Dual citizenship is what I heard. Ju- but uh, ju- Dual citizenship. <laughs> it's very early folks for me and i have slept very little so that's where we're at so there's a few things going on here so you got the first three matches which were very exciting really hard-hitting stuff and this one takes a, a little little bit of time to get going or maybe the crowd's a little uh tired after like three non-stop matches like that 
However, for me, I kind of like this from from start to finish. We got Red Shoes refing as well. Uh, he gets quite the pop, so he does a little bow. Now, this is where I spend a good portion of this match just laughing because, like, they're talking about the lead up to this match, and the storyline for this match is Sonata's like, "Hey, AW, I want to show you the strength of a New Japan champion, of an IWGP champion." So, open challenge. I got an open challenge. Who wants it? Anyway, later on in Dynamite, Jack Perry, he, he answers the challenge. Anyway, on the lead-up, Sonata's obviously, like, interviewed for a press conference or something. You know, the Japanese love the press conferences for these things, right? And he's, uh, he's saying all this shit about Jack Perry. It's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, shit. Yeah, I don't really respect him. Like, all this kind of stuff. I'm going to whoop his ass. Like, there's nothing you can do about it. I'm just the fucking best. He ain't shit. And Taz has a freaking mental conniption fit because his brain just, like, melts. He's like, wait, Sonata talked that shit about Jungle Boy, but he said an open challenge to anyone who was man enough to take him on. And he's just talking shit about him, and he just won't let it go. And it's just hear his brain melting over the commentary as this match is happening. And I'm just laughing. He just can't let it go. And... It was just like, dude, he's the fucking champion. Yeah, he's going to talk shit because he's the champion. Dude, just let it go. No, it was just fucking hilarious. And I, I just. Yeah, I don't know, man. Taz on commentary. <laughs> you know, like he's really funny. But like in some situations, maybe you don't want to be funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just saying, I don't know. But uh, it's it's I don't know. I think that. That's also confusing the story on the match, too, and focusing on stuff that's like, okay, you got to move on. They just talked about that, so let's move on. Now, I did not notice that because I was not paying attention because uh, I just – I honestly didn't even realize that Taz was on commentary at any yeah. point this night. So. Well, the, the, this match had just shit that I, I really dug. Uh, there's great chop battles and pinning combos and reversals. Crowd super into it, and I am too. It's getting a little bit more te- technical and fast-paced. Uh, we don't just get one, but we get two poison runners, which are my favorite kind of runner, uh, if I haven't said that already. And just the ending just made me go, oh, wow. Not only is Sonata the champ, he just got to have his Okada moment. Because Sonata wins with the mood assault. He doesn't even need deadfall or nothing. He used his old finisher to beat this young uh, AEW kid. So I was just like, oh, okay, we're doing that, are we? All right, I like it. Makes uh, Gives uh, Sonata a bit of confidence and that kind of stuff too because, what, that's his third or fourth title defense now already? Yeah, I mean, I I thought this match didn't have the deep psychology that a lot of the other matches on the show have. And so that's why, to me, it was just kind of like, like for a good chunk of this match. Now listen, this is a good match. I'm not trying to shit on it, but it's just guys doing moves. You do a move, I'll do a move. You do a move, I'll do a move. Yeah. That's kind of what this match is for the most for most of it. But yeah, the fact that Sonata doesn't need to use his best shit to beat Jungle Boy, and this is just kind of like something that he just came to do, just putting in a you know day's work and getting a win. That's what the champ does. But Luke, this is here to set up an angle, and I would like to discuss this with you. Yeah. So. 
Um, obviously, you know, we talked about it last week when we were doing our Never Realm slash, you know, kind of sort of talking about what might happen on Forbidden Door thingy. Um, that's what that's what the episode's called. And uh, you know, look it up on your your podcatcher app. But anyway, the <laughs> the angle here is that Jungle Boy has promised that he will get a title by the end of the year. He's lost a bunch of title matches. He lost this title match, and his best friend Hook has that you know fuck the world title, and so you know, obviously he's going to turn on him. So I figured that that angle would like build here and then, you know, it would like actually happen on AEW television where someone like me wouldn't have to watch it. Um, (laughs) I, I, I don't know, but here's what I understand as a lay fan of AEW. Hook is undefeated and he's like one of these guys that's like, a major future star for your company and is supposed to be like a tough, a tough motherfucker. Um, so here's what happens. Here's what I see. They're walking to the back and we're getting that thing where the music stops and the camera's still on them. And I'm thinking, Oh, they're going to do this angle right now. But then they switch the commentary. Music still stops. Then they go back to the ramp, back to commentary, back to the ramp. And then finally <sighs> jungle boy hits a shitty lariat. That's like, Hey, I'm going to touch you with my arm um, to hook and the crowd boos him. Right. And instead of stomping the ever loving shit, also hooks a baby face. So instead of stomping the ever loving shit out of your baby face, best friend to solidify your heel turn, he hits him with that one shitty looking lariat and the undefeated super tough motherfucker hook just lays there. And we don't even see hooks face. This is awful. It buries Hook. It makes Jungle Jack look like a fucking idiot. And it doesn't do what they were trying to do. They're trying to make him a heel. That's He just kind of was like, oh, maybe I am. Yeah, I am. I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to show you. Wrestling's in my toes. Yes, yes, yes. And I, I just wrestling, if you boil it down it, you know, to what it is at its very base level, it's telling stories through physical movement. Okay, don't tell me that you're a heel now show me. And they didn't show me that. And I thought that was an awful angle. And I'm sorry that Sonata had anything to do with that. He should have, Jack should have at least like up the ramp, like tossed him off the ramp or something. Like even if it was just like grabbed him by his pants and jacket and just like you know, manhandling him and threw him off something. But yeah, just well, one Larry is, he's kind of lame, but. Uh, one pay, it was pay-per-view. So they, but, he could have, he could have tossed him off. I'm just saying. So, <laughs> but. But it does, it does do something that is amazing. Because of a beatdown on Taz that really hurts him, oh, no, oh, no, he's really hurt now. His dad leaves the commentary booth. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> That's a good thing, right? So. Was, was, was Taz baked? Was that, was that why Sonata's comments just bamboozled him so? Because uh, he leaves. And then I just get like, wow, Excalibur. Kevin Kelly, Tony Schiavone. Yeah, this is the ultimate commentary team on this night, right? Oh, my God. What a fucking great commentary team. Not perfect. I will mention uh, some things that annoyed me with some of the story stuff, especially, uh, you know, Mega versus uh, the Billy Goat. But uh, on the whole, they were awesome. Great chemistry. Just eased right in, and I was just like, uh, it was lovely to my ears. I just really like hearing them. Also, 
uh, Young Bucks, if you're going to come out to carry on my way, Woodson, on a pay-per-view, you need to drive out in a black uh, Chevy Impala. That's just stat. Just once. Okay. You just need to do it. Well. You know what? Never seen Supernatural? Yeah. No? Okay. All right. Never mind. Uh, I watched one season of that show and thought, oh, that's pretty good. But well, someone got my joke and it's fine. It's still going on, I think. There's like no, 14 finished. or 15 seasons. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, what? I, it, too much. Too much. Um, but uh, <laughs> Luke, the next match does have the Young Bucks in it. It is Eddie Kingston, Ishii, the Young Bucks, and Adam Page versus Shota Umino, John Moxley, Takeshita, Claudio Castagnoli, and Wheeler Huta. Listen, Kevin Kelly says something. I, I don't think I have it verbatim. But it's an incredible line in this match where he says, you know, like to some people, pro wrestling's a game. And in this uh, in pro wrestling, Eddie Kingston keeps score, you know, like something like that. You know, it's this this match is there's too much in this, but it all but it's it's not too much like they are able to pull off all the storytelling that's going on here. So, um, you know, basically just a preparatory kind of couple statements is Eddie Kingston and John Moxley are like, you know, best friends, you know, warrior brothers together. Right. I mean, you know, if, if you're a lay fan, you do at least remember the time that, you know, Eddie Kingston literally jumped on the grenade, you know, and covered up John Moxley to save him from the exploding death match that turned out to be a wet fart. But at the same time, you see that that's the kind of friendship they have. And here they are. They have to face each other. And not only that, but Eddie Kingston has to tag with the Young Bucks and Adam Page, who he doesn't like, right? So, you know, and you got Bullet. The uh, I, I wish that the Blackpool Combat Club didn't weren't weren't BC because I just want to call them Bullet Club and they dress like Bullet Club. So I wish that was <laughs> the thing. But anyway, um, and I have not seen Adam Page wrestle in a long time, so I was excited for that. I have not seen much of Takeshita. Um, he was extremely impressive in this match and maybe oh, kind of featured. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like Kanosuke Takeshita started off as one of those guys in AEW where he was so good that the, the crowd was into him, but he doesn't have a few the guy's wrestling does. So that guy wins. And just over time that turned into, yeah, we've got to do something with this guy. And uh, yeah, they signed him like they've, pushed him now he's kind of with like don Callis and all this kind of stuff like i don't know how what whatever they're doing with uh him it's working and whatever they're giving him to do he's fucking crushing it he's amazing i love him yeah let's talk about it so you know eddie uh kingston he gets in he's like no i'm taking this and and that's another you know dynamic in this match is that he hates claudio right so he wants to get his hands on claudio but that's not going to happen till later you know so uh so really who starts it's uh um <laughs> it's a shit in adam page so i don't <laughs> i guess that's ishii so um ishii and adam page wrestle a little bit but then we get this treat and it's uh, uh ishii and Takeshita wrestling and this happens quite a bit during this match uh when they wrestle each other it is absolute magic they do the whole oh shebang God. where they're doing the, you know, the strong style shit. And then they run into each other after doing all these crazy shoulder tackles and stuff. And they both sell drunk and fall down, you know, and it's tremendous. That's so great. So at a certain point, you know, towards the beginning of this match, the crowd just gets to, they just stand up. They all stand up when Eddie and Moxley finally t- tag in and face each other. Right. Some words are exchanged and then 
some strikes are exchanged and you know it's incredible they chop the shit out of each other and i don't know if you saw this but this was something i don't know if i've ever seen in professional wrestling i've watched a million ishi matches i've never seen him cheer his partner on he was standing like it, it was so great too because during this moment you know these two you know wrestlers eddie kingston and john moxley who this kind of storyline is about they get in the ring they're facing off they're talking everyone else jumps off the apron so there's only one focus and that's the center of the ring and i look off the left and ishi's pounding the mat going come on eddie come on eddie he's like these two guys are gonna kill each other i love that (laughs) continue That was so great. So, you know, everybody gets in the pool for a big brawl while those guys just keep chopping each other the whole time. And they continue while everyone hits dives. It's really funny because and this is also where the cameramen are very confused and they do an okay job here. But towards the end of this match, they don't even know what the point the camera's at. And it gets really confusing. But Claudio finally interrupts this, uh, you know, this chop fest and, you know, obviously gets all. All kinds of heat for that, yeah. And, uh, you know, the BCC, they beat up Eddie in the corner. It's heat on Eddie. And Ishii tries to help, and Takeshita destroys him with one of the best forearms on the entire show. And I guess that's kind of one of his things, is that he has this, you know, crushing forearm, which is tremendous. So Eddie gets an amazing, like, all-Japan-style lariat on Claudio, and he's about to tag out. But Moxley gets in and gets in the way, and they start chopping each other again, right? And then they run at each other, double lariat for a double down. Ishii gets a big hot tag and runs wild. It's really long and has like many, many, many steps to it. Adam Page gets a hot tag after that. He runs in, you know, versus Takeshita. They do some awesome wrestling. And then Page hits an amazing roaring elbow on Takeshita, who's trying to do some kind of flying move. And that was unbelievable. So, you know, Page is running wild all over the place. And the, the Bucks, who were very... You know, they didn't do a lot in this match, which is fine with me. Uh, they did their cool shit, and that's kind of all they did, really. So unless there's more that I haven't you know, got to yet. But um, so they take Takeshita and set him up on the outside, you know, along the apron, like kind of like hanging him there. And Paige is looking around, and I'm like, oh, yeah, he does the running shooty star press off the apron. So he does that. It's fucking badass. It looks incredible. The Bucks get in. This is where they come in and do all their great shit versus uh, Takeshita. They go for the BTE trigger, but uh, Takeshita dodges it and hits a double German suplex, suplexing both <laughs> of them. Uh, later, later on in the night after the women's match, they try to show us that move again all of a sudden for some reason. <laughs> but th- then they just don't. It's weird. There was only one like kind of hiccup on that where they just start showing the wrong thing <laughs> anyway uh so that was great there's a super kick party and i was bummed that we didn't get super kick super kick yeah. from, I mean, kevin kelly you're right there you invented the super kick party thing i you know i i was mad we didn't get that a little bit but it's okay so eddie this is interesting and i think i got this right so the super kick party is hitting all the bcc guys and it's it's moxley's turn but no Eddie runs in and he gets kicked in the face, saves Moxley, right? Is that what happened or did he get pushed into it? I think, yeah, I think he took it. Yeah. The first one. So so he took it, you know, so that uh, his friend didn't have to, even though, you know, it's, it's just major baby face shit. I love it. So there's a death rider though. And Takesta hits a blue thunder bomb on Matt Jackson uh, for a two count, which might be the first pin in the whole match. Um, there's a, tr- this match is tremendous. The crowd, like I said, they're standing, they're losing their minds and there's so much packed in here that it's kind of overpacked, but at the same time, everything is great. 
then like there's all these tremendous suplexes right and left from uh, Wheeler, Huta, and Takeshita, and then something happens. I mean, Claudio, fuck you. He does the giant swing on on uh, I uh, I don't even know who it is. Who cares? Uh, but he's doing the giant swing, and here comes Wheeler Yuta. He does the Tyson kid sudden stop drop kick. Hey <laughs> you guys, fuck you. So I just I I mean I'm glad that that moves back. That was one of the coolest moves ever. If you don't know that you know uh, Claudio and uh, Tyson Kidd used to tag in in uh, WWE, and it was I mean. Yeah. That was some of the best tag shit ever. They were tremendous, and they did this move where he would hit the giant swing and then drop kick, and they'd say, you know, the commentary would do good. They'd say it's not so much the swing as the sudden stop, you know? It's so good. Anyway, so I'm glad that Matt, that move is back, but how dare you? So there's a big spot on the top rope involving everybody, I'm pretty sure, but it completely falls apart. I'm not sure what they were even trying to do. Um, that was a massive problem in this match, but you know, you kind of move on from it right away. Uh, Ed, Ishii and Eddie Kingston team up and hit a bunch of combo lariats on Anagamaguri on Wheeler Huta. And then everyone in the pool hit big moves. Moxley hits a cutter on Eddie and eats a super kick that he had been saved from earlier because Eddie wasn't there to save him because he just hit the fucking cutter on him. So that was great. Lariat, brain buster. Ishii pins Wheeler Huta. Luke, so much happened in that match. What'd you think? Well, I marked the fuck out when Tomohiro Ishii at Forbidden Door gets to not only get the pin on this amazing uh, tag team match, uh, he might have actually kind of almost stolen the show in this match too, which is amazing. Ah, I love so he's a big Ishii guy. I love that. Not only that, I'm seeing him do awesome selling, and I'm pretty sure he suplexed at least everyone on the other t- side at least once. All of them. <laughs> One man, two man, three man, four man. Yep, five. He suplexed all of them at least once in a different style of suplex yeah, or whatever. Oh, my God. Just – and that visual we get where – Mox and uh, Eddie are smacking each other, and then uh, the Young Bucks do a dive to the outside, cuts to the in-ring. They're still chopping each other. Hangman Page does a, does a move off the top rope. Yep, they're still hitting each other. And then Claudio stops it for major heat. Oh, that, that heat spot was just absolutely fantastic. <sighs> so much going on, but I thought it was handled well. If anything was a little messy or chaotic, they didn't dwell on it. They, they moved right on like professionals. It was a fucking awesome... Awesome match. I loved it. And so far, I've had this feeling of, oh, that was really good. What's going to follow that? What's really good? What's going to follow that? And now, uh, unfortunately, I feel bad because I really like Willow Nightingale. And I like Tony Storm as well. But they're in a match that's sandwiched between that 10-man tag and Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay. (laughs) And, like... I feel for him, but uh, especially since, like, I don't know, like, I understand this whole Ruby Soraya, Tony Storm faction. I understand that, and it's fine. I don't dislike it. It's not my favorite thing, but I don't, like, hate it with a passion or anything like that. It's just go away for a night. Just get out of here for a night and let us watch Willow versus Tony Storm. You know who else wasn't here at this show? 
House of Torture. So, you know, why are you doing some House of Torture shit? It's not the vibe you're going for tonight. <laughs> Though, oh, man, I'd love to see the fucking Canadian and American fans just get really pissed off with evil House of Torture shit. Oh, that would just make me fucking laugh. And there'd be so many new fresh tears for me to drink. They'd be incredible. <clears throat> but, all right. So it, it does get the breather match spot. I do like uh, Willow doing an awesome apron Death Valley driver on Tony Storm, then a running one in the ring. I do love uh, Death Valley drivers. But, uh, Ruby and Soraya are uh, threatening to interfere with the match one too many times, so they get kicked the fuck out, which is good, because once they're gone, I like the match more. Mm. So, yeah, the match is really fun after that. Uh and uh, Tony uses the referee, then gadges Willow's eyes and hits strong zero for the win. So you have to imagine that uh, this match would have been very different if uh, a certain uh, Monet woman didn't get injured. She definitely would have been on this card. Also, a little weird that uh, we didn't get the IWGP Women's Champion on this card. So I'm like, well, Sasha can't be here. I, I, like I don't know, I know Willow's a strong champion, but you know what I mean. Apparently, post yeah. after the, apparently today, uh, either during the show or after this match, uh, Julia uh, made a challenge. Yeah, but not to the winner of the match. She made that challenge to Willow Nightingale. So oh, ouch. okay, cool. But still, like that's that means what Willow's the strong New Japan title holder. So that's good. You know, um, because Julia, anything we can do to get Julia on my TV, that's what I want. So (laughs) if that if this match had something to do with that, then I love this match. But it's here's the problem with this match. You know, other than all the other stuff you said, it's got a really tough spot. Maybe just do this earlier in the show. Just so this doesn't happen. What you do with the ladies? Yeah. So um, but the problem that I have is that it's not creative and the cheap heat spots that the that the heels do are poorly executed. So, I mean, even if they are doing like house of torture type stuff, okay, but you gotta do it well, you know? I mean, like <laughs> yeah. uh, Soraya, Soraya is walking around with that can of spray paint, trying to put it in the ring, like five minutes before the spot's supposed to happen. And and they and it's so awkward when they they get caught by the ref and I don't know, it was just bad in, in, in some ways. I, I And it's just not, it's not fair. One of the things that's frustrating about women's wrestling is they never put them in, uh, you know, the oppor- they don't give them the opportunities to succeed. They put them in situations where, you know, the odds are stacked against them. And that's it's just tough. So um, but Luke, this next match, I need a little preamble from you because I need to know. What is going on? This next match is Will Ospreay versus Kenny Omega for the IWGP US uh, title. And there's a video package, but I had to step out of the room, so I missed that. I need to know about that, and I need to know why is Don Callis coming out with Will Ospreay? All right, so Ospreay and him haven't joined forces or anything like that. It's just that uh, recently in the AEWs, uh, Don Callis turned on Kenny Omega and uh, has been trying to fuck with him ever since. So uh, anything, he, anything he can do to kind of mess with Kenny Omega and fuck with him is what he's doing. And uh, now 
the whole thing is Oxbow's like, oh, there's going to be like so many fucking fans who don't like me and all this kind of shit because Canadians are all fucking like blah, blah, blah. And Don Callis is like, you know what? You're right. And I'm one of them. And I even, and I know how fucking despicable us Canadians are. Oh, we're, we're awful. That's why I don't live there anymore. You know, all this kind of, you know, heel shit. And so, you know what? I'm going to have your back, Oxbow. I'm going to make sure you've got security and everything for, for, for this match. And the security, as uh, Kevin points out at some point during the match, isn't really for Will Ospreay. <laughs> it's for Don Callis. Right. Yeah. So that's pretty much uh, what that part of the story of the match is. That's what that's okay. all about. I, I really enjoy Don Callis just in general. Like he, I like his shtick, and I really think that he is so good at talking to people in the building and putting his guy over. And it, even though – it's so funny because you're right. That whole like uh, security thing that puts Kenny over. And many times in this match, they're showing Don Callis, and he's not smiling. He's very concerned because he knows what Kenny can do, right? And it's just I don't know. Oh, yeah. it's, it's some really good shit in this match. So here we are. You know, interesting thing. So Osprey has this kind of like wild entrance with his old music, and he has you know these security guys and Don Callis with them. And then Kenny comes out by himself to his New Japan old music, which I always think of his old his uh, New Japan music as like you've you know it's the final boss in like yeah, your, JR, your JRPG you know uh, a game and 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 this is the you know this is the music that plays for the final boss. So <clears throat> I don't know. I really enjoyed that, and I think that is one of my favorite wrestling things ever. So Luke, um, I did write down. You know, most stuff that happened in this match, I don't think, once again, just like their first match, I don't think that anything we do to cover this is going to really, like, you know, be able to express, you know, everything that happened or, you know, how it happened and what we think about it. But we're going to do our best, and that's what we do here. So I love this, first of all. I just want to throw it out there. I don't – I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. There's so much amazing storytelling in this match, so let's get to it. So these guys, they do a series of holds and escapes, you know, at the beginning while the crowd does dueling chants, you know. And uh, Osprey gets a little fancy and does a headstand, should, you know, try to, like, get out of one of the holds. And Kenny just kind of pops up a little bit and yes. gets a little, a little mini pile driver just by bouncing, which is great. So (laughs) there's, you know, that's the kind of subtlety we're looking at in this match. So of course we're not going to get everything. So uh, there's chops from both and um, you know, there's uh, fast counters, you know, exchange and all that kind of stuff. It's incredible, of course. And uh, you know, Kenny uh, gets the, you can't escape early in the match. And uh, then will cheats and tries to get the advantage. Right. So this is interesting. This is the first kind of, you know, thing where Don Callis, he, Kenny's trying to go for the Terminator dive or whatever it's called. And Don Callis grabs Kenny's leg, but he does it in a way where it's like, I'm grabbing it, but I'm also trying to run away from you at the same time, which I was kind of interesting. So, really good. you know, yeah. that, that allows Will to take over on Kenny and start to get some heat on him. So uh, Kenny takes a really cool bump into the ring steps, much like, uh, as my buddy Aaron pointed out, looked like something that uh, Mick Foley would do where it looks like that he has run, his leg right into the ring steps. And that plays obviously a part later in the match. It was a great bump. So will uses power moves to work over Kenny and they use this time 
to just really solidify getting the crowd behind Kenny. It's awesome. So Will works uh, Kenny's leg and his midsection. He's got two spots he's working. And uh, there's a shooting star onto Omega while he's hung on the ropes. Oh, my God. That's a heat spot to, like, work the midsection. How often have we talked about when a heel's in the heat, heat section, how boring it can be? When you're hanging dudes on the ropes and doing flips like that, it's not boring. So – Osco, <laughs> it's amazing, you know. So there's an os cutter uh, from the apron uh, for uh, two huge high spots. Those two spots I just described, and uh, they fight over to commentary. All right, now they try to do something and it doesn't work, but it it does work. Just like uh, you know the quote Chris Jericho, whatever happens out there, that's what happens. So in the they, there's a lot of illusions. I watched uh, almost their whole previous match earlier in the day just to kind of you know whet my appetite on something like this a little bit and i knew that there'd be all kinds of callbacks so you know in the previous match uh they had gotten the table out and you know kenny had driven will's head through the table right by slamming it into the the table over and over again well will's going to do that to kenny but he does it on this thing i'm not sure what to call it it's the top of the commentary table that says aew it's like a little sign and his head won't go through it so it's like one of those things where, you know, like on Botchamania where the guy's trying to break the table and it won't break. And so they just keep throwing people into the table in more and more dangerous looking <laughs> ways. It's kind of what they do here with Will and Kenny's head. It is incredible. So he tr they're trying to poke his head through that, but it doesn't work. So he just starts to slam the shit out of him. And that shit wasn't a work. That was that was awesome. I really enjoyed that. And yeah. that's where this match kind of starts to get violent and crazy so um he does that three times to him and then the last one was the most vicious and kenny is bleeding now i have to i've been bitching about the camera guys but i have to say there's two times in this match where guys bleed a uh, blade and you don't see it because the one the uh, opponent walks away and the camera follows him and they stay on that camera it's great i was really happy with that so kenny's now bleeding right and Will throws him through that little th you know, sign thingy that, as he props it up against the ring. It's really loud when it breaks. Huge spot. The crowd loves it. So we get a mirror image uh, from their previous match. And Will beats Kenny pole to pole with uh, and licks blood off his arm for a massive crowd reaction. <laughs> you sick fuck. You sick fuck. <laughs> Kenny fights back, but he eats a ridiculous forearm. And Will does this great thing where, like, after he lands something just, you know, that is just absolutely insidiously violent he looks at the crowd and he looks around and just stands there like yes this is what i do this is what i'm capable of you know yeah. uh will uh, will goes for a, a v trigger and lands one and uh he gets nuclear heat by wiping his crotch on the canadian flag and blowing his nose on it which is obviously Shawn a back yeah. to Shawn michaels yeah which there's a lot of throwbacks in this match one of the I, I would imagine if you put this match next to Brett uh, Brett Hart versus Stone Cold, there's a lot of allusions to that in this match. There's also many other previous matches. I, I hope I got some of them. So, you know, uh, anyway, Kenny is firing up because you're disrespecting my country, man. And uh, Kenny lands a big Larry to interrupt all these shenanigans. He sends Will flying across the ring using the flag. Almost like, you know, like the women's match spot where the bigger woman throws the woman by her hair. He does that, but with, with the flag, it's great. I love that. And then he hits his first V-trigger and slams Will's head into the ring steps. 
and we get double juice. So this part right here is also an allusion to earlier in the match and the match they had previous and the also the ring steps where Will Ospreay had sent Kenny into earlier. So he's like, you're going to send me into it? Well, I'm going to put your fucking face into it. Tremendous blade job by Will. He bleeds a lot. Kenny stops oh, yeah. bleeding like five minutes after he blades and maybe they should have you know, got him to do it again, but it doesn't matter because Will bleeds enough for like three people and it's tremendous. It's so violent and awesome. It's a good six or seven on the meter scale. It's pretty good. I mean, it's up there. So, so here's something that's really smart that they do. If you remember the, the kind of like biggest high spot in their previous match was a DDT from the top rope onto the turnbuckle and it killed both of them. <laughs> It was like, yes, guys, that is the coolest move ever, but let's Better not do ever do that again. So they figure out a way to do that same spot, but in a much safer way. Kenny turns the ring steps, which also, had, you know, it's already an item that's been worked into the match. It's amazing. He turns the ring steps on, the, on its side, stands it up, and then gets up on the ring steps and hits that DDT there. It's It still gets a huge reaction. It makes a cooler sound, and... It is way safer. And, you know, it's like a huge reaction, but no one has to die. So this <laughs> is where, you know, Will's bleeding all over the place and we get power moves in the ring and they're like kind of slippery and it's, it's great. So then they decide, hey, you guys like German suplexes? We're going to do all those over and over and over again. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, boys. Oh, I, I love that spot. <laughs> Uh, so uh, there's a V trigger from Kenny. He goes for another, but no runs right into a Spanish fly for two. The crowd is on their feet as Will puts the sharpshooter on Kenny for a rope break. And this Mega is our illusion. Uh, yeah, our illusion to to the, uh, you know, the whole, uh, uh, um, you know, Bret Hart versus um, Stone Cold thing, which, by the way, that match is just incredible. It's one of my favorite yeah. WWE matches. So um, then also he's like, oh, that's not enough heat. I want to get you even more angry. He puts the Crippler cross face. <laughs> so, Another used six function. That's yeah. right. Bunch of Kawada kicks and chops uh, from Will and Kenny chops back, but he's got nothing on him because he's so fucked up, you know, and it's great. I, you know, I, man, I really enjoy this stuff here. So um, uh, there's a, cra a crazy kicks to defenseless Kenny, you know, and this is similar to the part in the match, you know, their previous match where Will Ospreay was just like dead and Kenny just kept hitting him with V triggers, kept hitting him. It's, it's, you know, we got some major illusions and, and uh, you know, I bet you if you played these side by side, you'd see, you know, the same kind of spots. It's really good. So he catches Ospreay with a knee uh, and an os cutter Um and then there's Snapdragon suplexes and stuff, a reverse Rana from Kenny that is so awesome because it goes right into that quick pile driver for two. And that pile driver was one of my favorite moves from the first match. Uh, so great. Uh, running V-Trigger to Will's back, but he gets cheeky Nando's and hits the corkscrew moonsault off the top of the floor. Insane. He's covered in blood. Just jumping off his Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, big forearm off the top and will wants a hidden blade right but it's reversal time so we get the top rope os cutter for two from will backpack vertebraker type move from kenny and here comes don Callis. now don Callis had been tossed earlier in the in the match so that is not good psychology that he comes out and the ref isn't like hey this match is over but commentary points out that this is a big risk for don because he's risking Will getting disqualified, you know, which I, they pointed out. So they do a good job of that. So uh, he comes back out 
this is a you know a cheap heat spot that here that happens here all right but it's executed well so there's knees to will over and over and over again and like he you know and kenny's looking at don Cal, it's like this one's for you hits one and seen an extremely violent one and so don kind of like is it trying to interfere to protect will from the v-trigger but here's what he's doing he's actually passing will a screwdriver right which i'm assuming has something to do with a previous story or something that they did and it's so great because the passing of the screwdriver is not like some amazing thing but what is amazing is that okay will has a screwdriver he doesn't know what it is he just kind of tries to hide it from the ref kenny puts him up for the one-winged angel we see will's face and he does the storytelling he holds the screwdriver looks at it realizes what it is realizes what he can do with it and then does it he fucking stabs kenny in the head could have used another a little bit more blood there you know but we didn't get that but that's okay i just want these guys to bleed i guess but and and that foils the one-winged angel obviously incredible man i love that so much so um oh it's just tremendous i it reminds me of you know like back in the day like uh jerry lawler when he got the knucks out he would show them to the crowd you know the crowd you know you, you hold it up and show it to the crowd and you realize oh that's what this is you know it's like you gotta play to the back they do such a great job of that so Anyway, I really enjoyed that. Um, so then there's a hidden blade, Stormbreaker, but Kenny gets his foot on the rope because no dude, one's kicked out of the Stormbreaker. What, you, did, it, did you buy that? <laughs> dude, that was the best rope break I think I've ever seen. Oh, I've seen it in a very long time. It was just like beautifully timed. Like I didn't notice it at first. You just kind of rolled onto it. Dude, that how? Oh, my God. That was fucking amazing. And that pile driver move, like it's like nasty looking tiger driver fucking thing on the mega's head. I we're not there yet. So uh but yes, that's uh that's insane. We'll get there. Oh but God. anyway, um so Don has one more plan for Will, right? And so um he he <laughs> he whispers in his ear and Will's like, Okay. So he goes for the Kamagoye, right? Now you notice the commentary did not know what this was or you know say anything about this, which is kind of yeah. disappointing. But you know, and and so Kamagoye from Will, then he hits the one-winged angel on Kenny. Kenny kicks out at one, as he should. The roof <laughs> comes off the building. Like, you know, I I mean they're gonna have to repair that place after that spot. That was incredible. <laughs> so big strike exchange, slap for slap. And here we are, we're building up to the end a V trigger and a hook kick, you know, so we get the V trigger and then the hook kick counter. It's great. And then here we are brain buster. Kenny's up electric chair, drop German suplex, and then a bunch of crazy, crazy moves. And one is of course the tiger driver 97 or whatever it's called, where it's basically, Hey, I'm going to do a tiger driver, but no, I'm going to stop right in the middle and just let you land on your head. Kenny kicks out. At 2.9999999999999999 repeating right there in another tremendous false finish. But you know who has to win this match. You know, it's it's Will Ospreay. Hidden Blade, Stormbreaker in a very, very Japanese finish. Will wins. My goodness, Luke. What did you think of that? So Charity works at home and this match. You know, she's like, hey, Luke, I'm just about to have some lunch. I was like, hey, if you're going to have lunch, come and have it in here. Osprey versus Omega's about to start. Uh, <laughs> now about the 30-minute mark. 30 minutes, 30 minutes have passed. I'm like, 
I, I should have warned you this might be a long match, Charity. So I was like, no, 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 that's okay. Shut up. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> by the way, it was funny watching her see that flag spot because she, she barely even knows who Shawn Michaels is. So seeing her, seeing Osprey do that spot, she's like, is he allowed to do that? You know, wiping his ass with the flag and shit. And I was like, yeah, don't worry. He's going to get his ass kicked in three, two, one. There you go. That's why that's, you know, it's fine. He's going to get his comeuppance for it. So watching this match through her eyes was, was a really great time too. This match is fucking insane. It's dude. If this was the only good match on the, on the whole pay-per-view, I probably wouldn't be too mad about the whole pay-per-view, you know? Yeah. That's it's how good this the price was. of admission. Yeah, I mean, this is yeah. what you want to see, you know. Um, Luke, I, I here's I would like. Is it okay if I do this next match and then you talk about the main event? Is that acceptable? Because I I really want you to talk about the main event. If that's okay with you. All right. Yeah. So, we can do that. um, I you know, at this point, it's like eleven o'clock at night for me, and I'm starting to get tired, and I'm thinking, man, is this. Like, okay, so main event time. And then it's like, no, it's a six-man match. This six-man match is in the diva spot, and they need something there. All right, I'm glad it wasn't the women's match. But holy shit, this is real bad, Luke. Okay, so the next match is Sting, Darby Allin, and Tetsuya Naito versus Suzuki, Jericho, and Sammy Guevara. Um, So Sammy and Naito do some wrestling at the beginning, it's kind of typical stuff, which is pretty good. Naito gets a bunch of his shit in. Uh, Darby Allen, Suzuki do strikes, which is completely unbelievable. I don't know why Darby Allen does hits people in the chest with his strikes. Why, why are you doing that? Just the idea is you do hit them in the chest, but it looks like you're hitting him in the face. But when you do it that way, I don't know. We get Sting in versus Suzuki, and Jericho wants in, and Suzuki says no until he tags him in. Everybody brawls, and and this is going well, and we're excited because you know the story here is is that Jericho and Sting have never wrestled each other, right, ever, which is shocking. Yeah. You know, it's a bizarre thing. Also, it's really great. Tony Schiavone's tremendous on this on this uh, match because he's having all these realizations and learning about Naito and stuff. And, and that's kind of one of the fun things about Tony being on commentary is he's learning as the show goes on and it, he has realizations. It's great. So anyway, um, but uh, Jericho tries a stinger splash and gets put in Scorpion Deathlock. And there's a scary, scary. OK, now this is where the match starts to fall apart, because. The idea is that Sammy Guevara is going to break up this hole by hitting a cutter on Sting. It, he just overshoots it. He almost kills Sting. Um, and he, he doesn't kill Sting, but he does kill the crowd. That move was awful. And I'm, I'm not as mad about that move as another one that happens later, but that is a stupid spot. And I don't know what we're doing. Even if that works, I don't like that. So, I mean, why? All right. Rear naked shake, rear naked chokes <laughs> for everybody. Uh, the match is kind of it, completely falling apart at the seams here, though. Camera guys are missing stuff. Um, and then Jericho gets a table out. And then this is when I'm just like, what? Why are we doing this? Okay, I get it. There's a story here. Jericho wants Sammy Guevara to hit a 630 through a table on Sting. And so, first of all, why are we doing that to Sting? Isn't that really dumb? 
and dangerous to like one of the biggest stars ever in pro wrestling that you just want to go in there and do some of his shit and get out without getting hurt. So 6.30 threw a table on the sting. Boo, the wrong kind of heat. Jericho made him do it or something. And this match completely falls apart as random wrestlers just randomly wander into the ring to do moves. And Sting, who just took a 6.30 through a table, walks into the ring. He doesn't know what's going on. He's late early, then late again for the same spot somehow. And <laughs> I, it's just awful. So Naito and Suzuki are like, these guys are fucking up. Let's get in there and wrestle. So they go in there. They do some of their shit. Naito gets a jackknife pin on Suzuki for the win after Sting helps him sort of. And Sting hits someone with a bat and they play his music. That was awful, Luke. And, like, that's the only thing on the show that was bad. It was really right. bad. A match like this on paper is exactly the kind of match you have between two big matches. What you don't have between those two big matches is a ladies' match where we all want them to get over and it's going to be really hard for them to do that when they're sandwiched in between, like, two matches that everyone's going to like more than theirs. So I don't mind these kinds of, like, throwaway silly tags. You can put them into breakout matches instead. But, yeah, I do like your uh, your comment there, though, that uh, Naito and Suzuki looked at each other and being like, these guys are fucking this up. <laughs> and then... Uh, that ends pretty quickly after that. I mean, that that's what happened. Watch it again. That's exactly what happened. They just, uh, I don't even think they were legal. They just got in the ring and started wrestling. <laughs> so. Yeah. What I like, but what I like, you mentioned this about Tony Schiavone. Uh, what I like about his role on commentary for this show is he is the wrestling fan that doesn't watch New Japan. And he's that, that that's his role for us. Uh, well, anyone in the audience that uh, has bought Forbidden Door and doesn't really know the New Japan guy. So, yeah, him asking some of these questions and sparking, like, Excalibur and Tony's uh, – sorry, Excalibur and Kevin's brains. It was really good. So, yeah. I like this the, was... the audience surrogate. It reminds me of, like, you know, when yeah. it's, a mo- it's a procedural movie, like a, like a police movie, and the new- we follow the new guy around, you know, so we can learn <laughs> how things go. It's like that, you know. He was the audience surrogate, and it was – you're right. Tremendous point, Luke. Absolutely. And then here we go. We're up to our main event. It's one of the most surreal things I think I've ever seen. Uh, it is Kazuchika Ricarda versus Brian Danielson. And all right. So Daniel, uh, Brian Danielson, he comes out to the final countdown by Europe. And my brain straight away is like, they fucked the music up again, like they have for everyone else tonight. No, that was my first silly thought. And then then I went to, no, this is obviously something significant. So I had to ask you, it was his, like, this is this a Ring of Honor thing? Yes. His, <laughs> uh, his entrance video, and I don't know if they've been doing this on New G- or on uh, AEW TV, but it was American Dragon, Brian Danielson, yep. you know? And, oh, man. And oh, I was marking the fuck out. <laughs> they do call him the American Dragon. Dude, all right. This match is both amazing and kind of weird, but in a, in a really good way. Like the end is a bit weird because there's, there's a moment where a Carter will—I think it's an elbow drop. I'll get to that. But uh, dude, 
how does this match start? It starts like an Akata match. And I kind of like, well, I kind of like that. In fact, this match lulled me into false insecurity because of the Akata, kind of Akata we've been getting this year. In fact, this might be his second loss this year. Is that is that right? Um, I don't know. Yeah, you're probably right. Something like that. He lost to Jay, what, Jay or uh, was it? Who was it? I don't even know. I'm so confused because we've just been talking about all this wrestling. But yes, you are right, Luke. I'm standing behind you. But yeah, this match is freaking awesome. Both these guys, not only do they have great chemistry, but for a lot of this match, they look like they're having fun wrestling to each other as well. Uh, It's fluid, it's sharp, there's great match stuff, there's awesome reversals and things. I'm getting really into it. Like, I messaged you earlier that uh, Akata was going, I thought Akata might win this. Uh, by the way, that thought immediately evacuated my mind as soon as I heard the final countdown. <laughs> <laughs> just immediately, I was just like, oh, okay, uh, they want to work with Brian again, so uh, uh, New Japan's going to tuck its pants, uh, tuck its dick back in its pants just for one night, uh, for one match, because it's Brian Danielson, the dragon. Of course you're going to do that. So, uh, yeah, but I can't remember the precise moment where this happens. But it's a hard-hitting match. These guys are fucking stiff. They're just killing each other. And I think it's an elbow drop that Akata hits on uh, yeah. Danielson, and it hits him in the arm, and his arm is just fucking dead in in the water. He just like he can't move his fucking arm at all. Yeah. It's just this is a problem. Dead. That's, well, and he also that's where he fakes a seizure in the match, which no yeah. one. That. No. All one right. So there's that that's that's the thing. Like there's one thing to have an incident in, in your match, a perfectly innocent incident. Akata didn't do a Kojima and get him in the nuts. Uh, Post match in the scrum, Brian was saying, "Look, uh, I saw him coming. Had my arm in the wrong spot. Crunch. It happens." So that was that. Look, it's it's one thing to do a seizure a seizure spot, which I I agree. Worst part of the whole, entire match didn't didn't destroy the match for me, but I'm like, dude, don't do a seizure like that. That's fucking freaky. That's 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 scary and shit. Don't do that. So I mean, if you're Okada, you can do that, but not if you're Daniel Bryan. No if you care man, about just... you man. Like I just <laughs> yes. I I genuinely thought that the crowd like that match was so good up to that point, and then they lost me after that. I am. One of the biggest fans of that guy ever, both these guys. And they lost me after that. I was kind of, uh, that was the wrong kind of heat. And the idea is that it's, you know, that, that Daniel Bryan the, or Brian Danielson, the character was faking the seizure to lull in Okada. Fuck that. Yeah. That's not, that doesn't, it didn't add anything. It took away. And, and that was a big misstep mm-hmm. in this match, I, I think. Well, I did like, <clears throat> I was, Look, I just thought I don't like that, and then I was able to just, I guess, compartmentalize that and just get on with it, because you know it happens sometimes. Not no match is 100% perfect, but uh, but then after that, Brian's got to do everything with fucking one arm, and the match is still pretty damn incredible. I feel like it picked up again for me after that. And mostly a big part of that was the amazing shocking finish where uh, Brian Danielson does something that Akata hasn't done. Since 2015 in the G1 that year, when he tapped out to uh, 
Shinsuke Nakamura. Thank you for that stat, John Schmanschma, by the way. Yeah, that's right. I listen to the Schmanschma stat, stats at sports at prosportsports.sports. <laughs> <laughs> some of them stick in your brain and you like them. Like some of the, like that detail, like I already knew Kojima was an adorable badass with cute little chihuahua dogs. But now I know he's an adorable badass with cute little chihuahua dogs who baked Stu Hart some bread in the dungeon. So that's even cooler. I don't know. But I can see that. I can see you being super into this match and then seeing a spot like that. And it's like, it, it is out of place. It's very an American wrestling thing. That would never have happened in Japan. <laughs> like, I feel like someone who would have, Who's a guy that would suggest something like that in in New Japan? Yeah, ELP or Zack Sabre Jr. Hey, we want to do a spot with this. And Gator's just like, no. Nah. No, yeah, no. He's he's like, no, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I reckon if that spot wasn't in the match, that for me, Okada versus Brian might be one of the uh, best nights of the uh, best nights of the show, best show, best matches of the night. Yeah. Yeah. It is uh, but, one of the best matches of the night, just for spectacle alone. And it's well wrestled. It's just, I don't like that spot for the reasons I explained, but I also don't like it because it doesn't put Okada over as a face because he just picks Dana Bryan up and everyone's like, what are you doing? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like the idea is that that makes Okada kind of think about what he's doing. Oh my God, this guy's having a seizure. But no, he like goes over, looks at him and says, gets pushed away by the ref once. And then it's just like, no, no, fuck that. And just picks him up from tries to rainmaker on him. So yeah. it's like, it doesn't, doesn't put anybody over. It just makes everyone sad. So. This guy's having a seizure, Okada. Are you stopping the match? No? Well, I'm going to fucking crush this cunt because I'm because it's Gary Carter and I've got the killer instinct. Now get the hell out of my way. <laughs> yeah. I think that worked might have worked on a different wrestler because a similar spot, not to that degree, but a similar spot happened with MJF versus Tanahashi. It's not it's it's a different degree of that spot, but yeah. uh, MJF holds his hand out to shake Tanahashi's hand. Come on, man, it's the ace. I know he's the most adorable, handsomest heel uh, face of all time, but this is Tanahashi. He, as he gets older, he's getting a bit more wily. You know, a little a touch of Yano because of all those tag matches, you know, all that kind of stuff. So he doesn't fall for that. Right. So, like, a card is not going to fall for that stuff either. So you're having a seizure. He looks at the ref. You stopping the match? No. Well, kind. I'm going to freaking punch this guy's lights out. Well, if, if, if Daniel Bryan has a history as a heel of faking seizures, and that's one of his spots, then, yes, that works. Because then Okada walks over, I'm not falling for this shit. But that's not – it didn't play that way at all. The spot you described with Tanahashi and MJF, it's clear who who the face and the heel is there. And and that spot emphasizes that, whereas this spot muddies that. The thing is, though, (laughs) like, you're trying to have a heel face dynamic here, but Brian, you're in the Blackpool Combat Club, mate. Pick a side. You're a heel. Be a heel. I did. No one cares your alignment, man. People are going to pay money to see you beat people up. Like, that that's just the way it is because you're awesome. So you don't – yeah. I don't know. It was weird. Especially – like, 
If you're gonna pull yeah. a spot like that, lose the match at least. Like you pull. A yeah, spot. yeah, yeah, and then you win. All right. Uh, my buddy Aaron Williams, he said of this match, he said this is the equivalent of 1996 Shawn Michaels wrestling 1996 Muda. That's what he was. He was so into this, and I, I am shitting on one spot in the match that kind of ruined the next six or seven minutes of it. But up until then. It's some of the magic. greatest wrestling of all yeah, it's time. Absolutely it's incredible. Magical. The crowd doesn't sit down. I don't think the whole match. It's it, that's. I know that this crowd is like a bunch of supermarks and shit, and they know how important this is, and that's why they paid their thousand bucks to sit in the front row or whatever. But like, you know, just the respect that was shown. You know, the Canadian crowd standing up during a bunch of these matches and not even sitting down during this like whole match. I don't know, man. It's like. It's it, pro wrestling's pretty cool, man. Doesn't get much better than this, does it? You know, these two wrote a really amazing book that just has this one shit chapter in the in right near the end. <laughs> so if you take rip those pages out, throw them away, this match is nigh on fucking perfect. In fact, uh, no offense to Brian, I'm sure he would love to have gone through that whole match without uh, that arm fracture or something like that that he got, but. Uh, him tapping a out with uh, kind of one arm time behind his back. That was pretty fucking badass. <laughs> yeah. You know, interesting thing too about that. So one of Daniel Bryan's biggest matches ever was obviously WrestleMania 30, where he had been killed by uh, uh, Triple H after the previous match earlier in the night. And guess what was wrong with him? His arm was fucked. And so, you know, if you watch that, like Daniel Bryan can he can barely lift both the titles because he's been selling his arm the whole night. <clears throat> so he's used to that. He's great at it. And it was very similar, you know, in that way. Also, I do want to point out that there is a point in this match where they start doing European uppercuts to each other and pushing each other across the ring with them, fighting over the center of the ring with European uppercuts. Yeah. It's one of the greatest strike exchanges I've ever seen. <laughs> It's unbelievably like good. Like two chess grandmasters having the best game of chess you could possibly imagine them having. Except for maybe that one blunder, but uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely magic. Yeah. So I don't know. And these matches with a card are happening at the right time for me because I've I'm kind of kind of into that man. It, it it only took me about five or six years, Mr. Guy, to kind of be like it's not like I didn't get Okada. I know he's great and one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen, but to have him as a character kind of clicked for me as well, uh, I wasn't sure that would ever happen, and it has, and it is. So this adds to the tapestry of this weird, wild, interesting year that this man is having. Uh, and, yeah, awesome. Did you notice, so, did you notice that, that uh, neither Tanahashi, Ishii, or Okada brought their titles with them? They were like, ah. No, they didn't bring the six-man stank belts. They might make those belts shinier just by, you know, the, the fact that it's those three men that have them. But, uh, no, they're not. Uh, I, thought was, I thought that was funny. At first, I thought, oh, Ishii must have forgot his, and, you know, Kata's going to come out with both of them because he's the official carrier of the belt for mm. Ishii who doesn't care about it. So. <laughs> doesn't even like uh, one of the people he's tag teaming with. But, yeah. I loved it. Like, it's a really fucking great show. Uh, how does it matches... compare to last year? How, how do you, how, what do you think uh, this versus Forbidden Door won? 
Um, well, there is a distinct lack of Jay White on my screen, but I think I like this year more because last year was probably the best card they could possibly make, but everyone was fucking injured, right? Yeah. Like Forbidden Door last year hit at this point where so many wrestlers were fucking injured and matches and cards and shit had to change. This felt a little bit more stable, a bit more solidified. You know, matches got a little bit more of a build-up. It felt a little bit more important this year. Hey, the first Forbidden Door was a success. So what do you do? You you, you do it again. And people know a bit more what to expect, a bit more excitement. You can mix up the matches a bit more. Uh, there were some nice little surprises, like Kojima and Punk. Like, holy shit. Uh, all this kind of stuff. Not only that, I would say this is this this show might even have like one of my favorite pre-shows ever. Like all the matches were really entertaining and great. And usually I'm low effort, don't really care, just like hurry up and put the main show on. But I guess like I woke up being like, oh no, I got to do notes for this show. So I was I was ready to go, and the pre-show was just it just worked. I think I like this one more than last year. What do you think? You think you do? Um, no, I, I do. Shut I up. think this is like at least ten times better than last year. Yeah. Last year was like a, you know, like a house showy kind of version of this, and this was important and had matches on it that we're never going to forget and moments that we're going to talk about Absolutely. forever. And that's what you want with your, you know, cross promotion amazing show. Uh, I don't know. I thought this was absolutely incredible. I enjoyed it um, immensely, and. Um, I'm ready to watch New Japan again, though. I kind of, you know, I, that's my my only beef with this show is that, like, it, when I watch something like this, I go, oh, that's really good. But I just like New Japan. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of like what I think. So, you know, um, I'm excited to get back to watching New Japan proper again in a week or so or whenever that starts again. But uh, this was um, this was a nice little diversion. And uh, of all of the pay-per-views we've done this year, Kind of think this is the best one by far. Yeah, agreed. By the way, there's probably a AEW podcast out there where there's, uh, you know, the host who watches both New Japan and AEW, and then the other guy who just watches AEW, and the AEW guy is like, you know what? I like this show. It was the best thing I've watched this year. But I only like AEW. There's there's a a flip side to you out there in podcasting. It has to be. That's my theory. So the, he's got a, a beard. Well, no, I have a beard, so he doesn't. It's mirror universe me. <laughs> he's, he is extremely evil, by the way. So Extremely, exactly. Uh, his favorite wrestler is uh, in, in AEW is uh, probably Jeff Jarrett. Oh, definitely. Definitely Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. So we've had that amazing, awesome show to, to talk about and – Boy, have we talked about it. So let's let's uh, let's end it on a, on a fun, silly note because we they are burning a hole in my pocket, Andy. You're right, ever since you said that. Because we have a bunch of wrestler diaries that uh, Jay has sent us, and uh, you can send us things too to read out at various points of the show. Neveropenpod uh, at gmail.com. Written yes. noisy. Luke, this, uh, this diary came with a note from Jay who sends them to us. Thank you, Jay. It says, I am in disbelief of the lack of Master Gato photos. 
Me too. That's right. Me too, Jay. Because we're going to read, well, I'm going to read episode 57, Road to the Diary Master, 57. <laughs> I like how he wrote 57 twice. Yeah. All right. Put the date on there a couple times, two different dates too. That's always confusing. I'm I'm guessing the translator doesn't, or the uh, transcriber doesn't edit these. He just like, yep, that'll do. That's that's what they wrote. So that's what's going on. He adds punctuation too. Look at that first sentence, Luke. (laughs) May thirty first, twenty twenty three. This is this is your Watto, and I would like to thank you all. I won the best of the Super Junior. I'm really happy to be able to bring everyone good tidings in this entry. I want to thank all the wrestlers who fought with me over the 17 days. I would also like to thank all the fans who supported me. It was short, but very intense 17 days. My only regret is that Ishimori was injured during the tour. I wish him a speedy recovery. That's yeah, don't they? That's so funny because Wado is like Ishimori's like you know, nemesis because he has yeah. number. He's like, oh man, I'm so bummed that you got out of tournament because I wasn't able to beat you. Remember when I read Yo's diary entry out and he's like, I hope we can all live in peace and understanding. And I was like, fuck you, Yo. Well, <laughs> Ishimori just read that part of the uh, of Wato's sweet, adorable diary message and was like, fuck you, Wato. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. To be honest, the toughest part was wrestling four matches in a row in Tohoku. I had lost four matches in a row before that, so I was determined not to lose another one after Tohoku. I returned to Tokyo, and the next destination was Osaka for two straight in a row, and the first of which was a tag team match. But a win on 24th would take me to the semifinals. After getting this far, there's no other way but to go all the way. Okay. We moved back to Tokyo again, where I faced Mike Bailey in the semifinals. He had a martial arts style that matched mine. What a, wait, what? Dude, I know you won the match, and it was an awesome match, and I'm, I'm glad you won. But, all right, you got to talk yourself up and put yourself over, I guess. That's, that's <laughs> He's doing the wrestling thing. All right. Mike Bailey was really strong. <clears throat> Finally, I got to the final match, which I had dreamed of. And my opponent was Titan. Needless to say, he is a top-class wrestler. But I was not intimidated and decided to face him head-on. On the day of the match, I had my hair and makeup done in the morning and headed to the venue. What? Wait, what makeup? I mean, wait, wait, wait. I know he gets his hair want, done. You know, but... I, look, I know he gets his hair done, and I know there's lots of wrestlers that wear some form of makeup. But yeah. usually when you see, you can see it, though, usually. What's he, what's he got on black? Well, okay, so here's the deal. It's like, you know how, like, uh, you know, people say, they, they're like, oh, well, you know, oh, it's, you look so good with no makeup. But it turns out they're wearing the natural look. It's just like a little bit of makeup. That's what Water's doing. He likes the natural Oh, look. well, I'm glad he got his hair and makeup done and headed to the venue then. As you saw, the match was a fierce battle. But I managed to win with my last ounce of strength. Glad the match didn't keep going then. Uh, thank you to everyone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you to everyone who cheered us on. And thank you, Titan, for the fight. Muchas gracias, Titan. Titan! I will, forget... <laughs> I will never forget the emotion I felt when I got the trophy I had dreamed of. The winner's flag was handed over by Ash and Sato and Ash the Hero, who wrote the theme song for the event. Last of all, 
I took the trophy home. Aww. Actually, I went to Tutsunkaku after the match on the first day of the Osaka event, but it was already closed for business, so I only took the photo took the photo of it. Finally, I will fight Hiromu Takahashi for the IWGP junior belt at Sokajai Hall. For the future of the junior division, I absolutely cannot lose. Everyone, please come to Osaka Joe Hall and watch this fight. Let's go. See you later. Let's uh, go. See you later. Uh, <laughs> oh, the past op the past optimism of old diary entries. I wonder if he read that back going, I must not lose in his future plateau. And he's like, oh, I, lost. I still want. I still like, want maybe I should have should have won more, more, more makeup. Yeah. Next time. Um, if you got steps. <laughs> Luke, check this out. So this month of June started with Dominion. It ended with Forbidden Door with All Together Again and, you know, New Japan Road and some, you know, Never or Never Realm from us. What a month. This is a fantastic month. And we are off, on, you know, with New Japan stuff until the next pay-per-view, which is the Independence Day on Tuesday, July 4th and Wednesday, July 5th. So maybe we'll hit you guys up with a little Never Realm uh, early next week. Maybe we won't, but... Uh, I'm excited for uh, all we've accomplished so far this summer and all that's going to be accomplished in the future. It's been a great summer so far, and it just started. It has been an awesome winter for me. Winter isn't coming. It is almost here, so I'm all rugged up and having a great time this month. Yeah. Dude, (laughs) this is one of the wildest years of wrestling I've ever been a part of since I've liked wrestling, and I get to cover good portions of it with you almost every week so that's even even cooler and uh yeah i I like i like watching aw i do but uh i enjoy talking about new japan more so i'm like you like all right unlike you i'm happy to watch aw over the next week but like you i just want to record episodes about new japan pro wrestling is that so much to ask i was just never the next proper New Japan show is the opening of the G1 Climax on July 15th. That's the oh. next proper show, which is like, if people don't know about that and they're like, what the fuck, man? It's like New Japan has time that they give their wrestlers off. So shut the fuck up if you think that's a problem, because this is why most of the wrestlers are always on the card. Because, it's, because right. they actually get time off. It's not, hey, work until you get hurt and then you get time off. I mean, that is how it is sometimes, but that's not the idea behind this. This is actually giving guys time off to rest and do whatever they need to do in their off time. So, yeah, I like it too, especially since, like, here's a billion shows in one week. Oh my God. Then what's next week? No shows. Yeah, all right. Okay. All right. That, that's a good trade off. And I think if it didn't have a trade off like that, uh, Chatting probably be a bit annoyed <laughs> because we would be able to watch anything, but yeah, and all the wrestlers would be heard all the time. So yeah, exactly. But yeah, Miss Andy, Forbidden Door too. It, it, it's in the books. We've talked about it. We did the thing. And uh, unless there's anything else you'd like to add, who do we who do we do for the sign off for this one? Yeah, fuck it. We're, we're in New Japan. Uh, Ingato, we trust. 